Hello, friends. You're listening in to the Capital City Christian Church podcast. I'm Chris, the Communications Director at Cap City. If this is your first time listening or you just want to say hi, you can email me at ctaylor at capitalcitychristian.org. Today, I want to give a special shout out to Tiffany Wright, who always listens on her way to work, and to Michael Godsey and his wife, who listen all the way up in Columbia. I hope you all are having an awesome day today. Uh, Today, we're starting a brand new series called Mind Blown. God sometimes blows our minds, and it's not always in a fun way either. You know, I think of God blowing my mind by thinking of the size of the universe or how God created such an awesome sunset or things like that. What we miss is that sometimes God blows our minds by seeing the full picture that we miss. Like, have you ever asked, where was God when blank happened? Maybe you're wondering where God is right now in the midst of this COVID pandemic. If you've ever asked those questions, you're not alone. In this series, our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison, is leading us through the life of a guy named Habakkuk, who lived a long time ago and asked the same questions. Let's get right to it. We're going to study a very, very difficult passage today. It's tough. It's where we're going to start, and it kind of speaks to our times. But I've asked Morgan to read the passage for us. This is the message... No, no, no. This is the burden that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. God, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? How many times do I have to yell, help, murder, police, before you come to the rescue? Why do you force me to look at evil and stare trouble in the face day after day? Anarchy and violence break out, quarrels and fights all over the place, law and order fall to pieces. Justice is a joke. The wicked have the righteous hamstrung and stand justice on its head. Habakkuk, look around at the godless nations. Look long and hard. Brace yourselves for a shock. Something's about to take place, and you're going to find it hard to believe. I'm about to raise up the Babylonians to punish you. Babylonians, fierce and ferocious, a dreadful and terrible people, making up its own rules as it goes. God, you're from eternity, aren't you? Holy God, we aren't going to die, are we? God, you chose Babylonians for your judgment work. Rock solid God, you gave them the job of discipline? But you can't be serious, you can't condone evil, so why don't you do something about this? Why are you silent now? This outrage, evil men swallow up the righteous and you stand around and watch? What's God going to say to my questions? I'm braced for the worst. I'll climb to the lookout tower and scan the horizon. I'll wait to see what God says and how he'll answer my complaint. Thank you. Habakkuk, or as Lisa wanted to say, Habakkuk. Which is it? Tell you the truth, I don't have a clue. I learned uh, Hebrew when I was in seminary about 40 years ago, a long time ago. But my Hebrew professor was an old Japanese guy. So we figured he was teaching us Hebrew with a Japanese accent. I really don't know. What Dr. Nakarai told us is that pronouncing Hebrew requires a lot of spit. There's a lot of and right? which we can't say today, right, when this crisis without a good mask on. So I checked out my Hebrew Bible, and best I can tell, it kind of looks like in the Hebrew, it reads something like this, Chavachuk, or Chavachuk. I don't know. 
But since we're not supposed to spit, I'm just going to say Habakkuk, right? And he's an old dead guy, so I don't think he's going to care. And it really isn't just about how to pronounce his name. We don't know anything about this guy. We don't know whose parents were, brothers, sisters, whether he was married, had kids, where he lived, whether he had a job outside of this prophet gig. We don't know whether who was reading his blogs or listening to his podcasts. And still we're going to spend a month listening to Habakkuk, digging into this vision that he saw from God. Why would we do that? I mean, most people go to church for decades without hearing a single sermon from Habakkuk. We're going to spend a month there. And yet we do know something about what was going on in Israel about the time that God spoke to Habakkuk. We know that what was going on in Israel had a lot of similarities to what's going on in our country today. And we know that this prophet, Habakkuk, was asking some of the same questions of God that maybe some of you guys have asked of God, not just today, but maybe for a long time. So you might find that this book, Habakkuk, is a very, very contemporary little book. You might find that some of the words that God said to Habakkuk are words that maybe you need to hear. So here goes. You ready? Chapter 1, verse 1. This is the message. This is the burden that Habakkuk received in a vision. Literally, this is the oracle, the vision, maybe even the burden, because the word itself in Hebrew carries a sense of heaviness, because God's words are going to weigh on Habakkuk. Because sometimes, guys, God's words aren't easy to hear, right? What God says to us this morning may not be easy for some of you guys to hear. Now, Habakkuk opens up really by going after God. You heard it when Morgan was reading. It's kind of mind-blowing for a, for a holy man. He talks to God in a way that you just don't expect to hear in church. He says, how long, O Lord, must I cry out for help? And you don't listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry. You don't, you don't come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Come on, God. Start doing the stuff God's supposed to do, right? God, things are a mess. We need some help. And I don't see you doing anything, God. Because here's what's going on. In Habakkuk's day, life in Israel was getting very, very confusing for a God follower. I mean, Israel was supposed to be a theocracy. They were supposed to be ruled by God's laws. But a whole lot of the politicians were not godly men. Instead of serving God's interests, even instead of serving the people's interests, it's like they were serving themselves, consumed with their own agendas, lining their own pockets. And Habakkuk says, God, are you just going to watch? And if you see the people, they're using each other, abusing each other, there's senseless violence, and instead of reining it in, the police and the courts, well, they just weren't about justice anymore. And through all of this, the economy was tanking. Back then, guys, if you lost your job, you didn't eat. Your kids didn't eat. There were no unemployment and no stimulus checks. Israel's enemies, I mean, one of Israel's enemies was getting stronger and stronger and stronger at the same time that Israel was getting weaker and weaker. And Habakkuk looks around and he says, where are you, God? He looks around and he sees Israel in trouble, God's chosen people, the the nation that God had built, the nation that God had protected, and Israel's a mess. And what Habakkuk sees just doesn't fit his view of God. He's like, God, you're a good God, right? 
We know you're a good God and you're powerful, right? I mean, you're all powerful. We've seen it. You're omnisciently smart. You're perfectly wise. There's just nothing you don't see. There's nothing you don't know. And you're perfectly holy, God. You always do the right thing. You always want us to do the right thing. And and we know you love us. You chose us. We're your people. So God, if you're so good, God, if you're so smart, God, if you're so powerful and you're so holy, and if you love us so much, how come it feels like you're not listening to our prayers? How come it looks like you're not doing anything at all? Why are you letting the good guys lose and allowing the bad guys to win? Verses 3 and 4. This is Habakkuk. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who argue and fight. That sound like today? Sounds like the social media. Laws become paralyzed. People are blowing off God's laws. That sound familiar? No justice in the courts. Well, how could there be justice in the courts if God's laws are being disregarded? The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so the justice has become perverted. And it does sound pretty familiar. And Habakkuk is looking at this and saying, God? You see, somehow this fantasy sometimes slips into our thinking that being a Jesus follower is going to protect us from trouble. Did you hear that? Sometimes we think because we're Jesus followers, we're going to be protected from trouble. We believe in a big, powerful God who promises us this abundant life, this life to the fullest, which means he should protect us from things like this COVID, right? should protect us from being laid off. He should protect us from the pot shots that people are loving right now to take a Jesus followers. Forget that we live in a broken world. And if you live in a broken world, the brokenness of the world is going to hit you too. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. <laughs> it's coming. You'll have trouble. Yeah. We forget that we live in a world that's at war with God. And those who hate God will naturally come after Jesus' followers. In fact, Jesus told us that. He says, if the world hates you, remember, it hated me first. So we get screwed up thinking we deserve better as Jesus followers. We get screwed up thinking life is supposed to keep on getting better and better and better for Jesus followers. So when a pandemic hits and an economic disaster threatens and people are getting more and more polarized, more and more hateful, sometimes we're like, how long, oh God, do I have to pray and you don't listen? God was listening. God always listens. It's just that a lot of times we don't like what he has to say. Here's what God says to Habakkuk. He says, <laughs> look around at the nations. Look and be amazed. I'm doing something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. God says, I got this Habakkuk. I am doing something that literally you will not believe. I'm doing something that you cannot understand yet. You want to know what I'm doing? Okay, here it is. I'm raising up the Babylonians. They're cruel, violent people. They're going to march across the world, conquer other lands. In fact, they're going to march across the world and conquer you. They're coming for you. They're notorious for their cruelty. They do whatever they like. And I'm going to use them, Habakkuk, to fix you. 
I'm going to use them to tear down your corrupt politicians, your corrupt justice system. I'm going to use them to clean up Israel. (laughs) And Habakkuk is like, huh? What'd you say? God? It's crazy. Believe it or not, that's what this prophet of God says to our God. You can't see it as well in the English. You can't hear the tone of voice in the English. But in the Hebrew, his words are intense. Oh, Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you don't plan to wipe us out. Oh, Lord, our rock, you sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us. In English, it sounds like Habakkuk is being a little bit respectful. In the Hebrew, he is stunningly honest and stunningly bold. God, you're the Holy One. You're the Eternal One. You are perfectly good. You are infinitely wise. And your plan is to use them to punish us? Really? Next verse, Habakkuk says, but you're pure, God. You're pure. You can't stand the sight of evil. Would you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while these Babylonians swallow people more righteous than they are? People like us? Your plan makes no sense, God. Now, have you ever felt anything akin to what Habakkuk is feeling? Maybe it's not about this pandemic. Maybe you get sick or your husband or your wife or your kid gets sick and you're like, come on, God. You're perfectly good. You're omnipotently powerful. You can fix this, can't you? Or maybe you get laid off. You get a pink slip. You check your 401k and it's tanked. And you're like, God, come on. I've been trying to do life your way. I could use some help here. Maybe you get a Dear John letter. Maybe you're betrayed by a friend or you're bullied on some social media site from hell. You're like, God, I need you to watch my back. Maybe your kid's a mess or you're battling depression or fear or even panic because of this pandemic. And you're almost thinking, maybe you don't want to put it into words, but you're almost thinking, God, you're not doing this right. Habakkuk is just ruthlessly honest with God. He is stunningly bold. It almost takes your breath away. He's got these huge questions and he's got these growing doubts. So what's he going to do with them? (laughs) And listen, guys, what Habakkuk does with them is so much smarter and so much wiser than what we are tempted to do. Because instead of complaining about God, he complains to God. There's a huge difference between those two. Instead of allowing his questions to drive him away from God, he takes his questions right to the feet of God. You know how smart that is? Listen to the words that he uses in his tirade to God. He's confused, he's angry, but listen to what he says. Oh, Lord, my God, Yahweh, my God, Yahweh, the one who is, you're still my God, my holy one. God, if I didn't know you were the holy one, I wouldn't be so confused. You who are eternal, you're not just old, God. You've been there. You understand. There is nothing that you don't understand. Oh, Lord, our rock, you've been my anchor, and I'm still trying to hold on to you as my anchor in all of this mess, God. Listen to the way he addresses his God. And you'll notice it never enters into his mind to walk away from God. 
never dawns on him that maybe he ought to stop serving God or stop praying to God. How smart is that? You see, we tend to make one of two mistakes. Mistake number one, there are a whole lot of Jesus followers who are afraid to complain to God at all. They're kind of like if I complain to God, he might get ticked. And if God gets ticked off, he might hammer me. So when you've got budding questions like these or budding doubts, you press them down as fast as you can and you beg God's forgiveness for doubting. And if you hear anybody else questioning or doubting, you immediately try to stop them. We can't be doing that, right? We can't be doing that. Well, I'm not sure Habakkuk would agree with you or Jeremiah, or Job, or King David, or the Apostle Thomas, or the Apostle Peter, or any of the others in the Bible who struggled with God sometimes. Or we make another mistake. A lot of people make this mistake. There are a lot of Jesus followers, a lot of ex-Jesus followers who let their questions and their doubts drive them away from God. Great at complaining about God, but maybe they've never really tried complaining to God. Because a whole lot of the time, guys, we have this stupidly arrogant overconfidence in our own reason. Kind of like, I don't see why God is allowing this to happen, so I'm walking away. I don't get it, God. I don't see how a good God could allow something like this to happen. My kind of God would do something about this pandemic. My kind of God would heal my wife. He'd protect my job. He'd do something about that bully. My kind of God would have my back. So if I can't understand what God is doing, then God mustn't be doing it right. Right? Maybe. What some people figure is if I can't figure God out, there must be no God at all. We hope. Stupidly arrogant overconfidence in our own reason. And Habakkuk is blazing this third path. It's way more honest than so many Jesus followers and way more faithful when there are times when we don't understand him. Now just think about it, guys. How could we ever think that a God this big, it's not to the tips of my fingers, maybe you ought to do it this way, a God this big is going to fit into something this small? How do you figure that? Habakkuk is like, God, I wouldn't be upset if I didn't know that you're holy, but I know you are. God, I don't get it, but I could never imagine walking away. Life is hard to get sometimes knowing you're there, God, but it is impossible to get without you. Where else would I go with my doubts and my questions? You have the words of eternal life. Tim Keller calls this unconditionally faithful wrestling. Unconditionally faithful wrestling, and I like that a lot. You get honest with God because he knows what we're thinking anyway. And we get humble because we remember he's God and we're not. Now to get there to this unconditionally faithful wrestling requires three things. Number one is this. You have to trust God's grace. You have to trust God's grace. Do you trust God's grace? And number two, you have to trust God's wisdom. Do you honestly believe that God is smarter than you are? And number three, you have to trust God's goodness. Do you trust that God will always do what is best, even if you don't understand it? Got to trust God's grace. 
See, Habakkuk understood, even under the old covenant, that there was nothing he could do to make God love him less. It's grace. He knew that his questions and doubts wouldn't make his God love him less. You get that? He understood that as Jesus followers or God followers, we don't have to get everything right to be God's kid. It's grace. And when you understand grace, there's margin. You can be honest with God knowing he still loves you. And you have to trust God's wisdom. You have to admit that there are things that God can see that you can't see. There are things that God knows that you don't know. Here's what God says to Habakkuk way back in verse 5. He says, watch. Be utterly amazed. I'm going to do something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you. You're never going to guess what I'm doing. And it's going to blow your mind. And it shouldn't bother any of us that God is infinitely smarter than we are, right? Do you understand that that means that who he is and what he is doing will never, ever, ever, ever fit into these little brains? One of the smartest guys I've ever read put it like this. He says, a God that can be understood is not God. Real God can't be understood. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet put it like this. He words it for God. God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything you could ever imagine. I can't fathom a God who isn't infinitely smarter than we are, so can you trust him? But I'm also good with trusting him because I trust that our infinitely gracious God, our infinitely smart God is also infinitely good. He's perfectly good, and Habakkuk knew that, which is why he addresses him as my holy one, my strength, my rock, my salvation. So God is like, be stunned. Be amazed, be dazzled. I'm doing something you wouldn't believe even if I told you. You can't see it yet, but someday you're going to look back and it's going to be like, holy cow, God. You ask me, what are you doing about all this injustice and violence? Well, there is a plan unfolding right now, he says. Last week for our staff devotion, our preschool minister, Jessica, gave us a little puzzle piece. This is my little puzzle piece that she gave to me, just one little tiny puzzle piece. So we're sitting around there. Each one of us has one of these little puzzle pieces, just a few pieces out of several hundred. I don't know what the puzzle's supposed to look like when it's put all together again, but I'm pretty sure that it's part of a plan, don't you think? I know that I'm part of a plan. If you had one of these puzzle pieces, you'd be part of that plan. And someday when it all comes together, you're going to look at it and say, holy cow, that's cool. Kind of the way God is. How dare we judge God by our ignorance, sir? By our timetables, by our calendars, by our perceptions of reality. He's God. He's good. So Habakkuk complains to God, God, this place is a mess. These are your people. These are the people that you said you'd bring salvation to the world through. Do something, God. God says, I am. I'm going to raise up the Babylonians, conquer the Jews, take them into exile. And Habakkuk is like, you call that an answer? And God says, yeah. It's going to blow your mind how it works. Babylonians swept down and they crushed Israel and they took the political leaders and religious leaders out into exile. 
By the, why, by the way, while they're in Babylon in exile, the Jews started building these synagogues, kind of like churches. They figured out how they can worship God outside of Israel without access to their temple. After a while, the Persians swept in and they conquered Babylon. Some of the Jews went back to Israel. Others stayed in Babylon. Others went even further into the Persian Empire. They called that the Diaspora. The dispersion. By the way, the Persians were the ones who spread the practice of crucifixion. And then the Persians were conquered by the Greeks. And the Jews kept spreading further into the empires of the Greeks. Jews and synagogues started dotting all over their world, attracting Gentiles to the God of Israel. All of these Gentiles started getting exposed to this God of Israel. These Gentiles were called God-fearers. By the way, people all over that world began to adopt Greek as the universal language. If you wanted to communicate with someone, you use Greek. Wherever you went, you could speak Greek and people would understand you. Then the Romans came along. They conquered the Greeks. Maybe you've heard of what's called the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. Rome came and they brought order to the chaos and they built this incredible road system all over that part of the world so people could travel all over their world in relative safety. And when the right time come, God sends his son to be crucified and to be raised for the salvation of the world to fulfill his promise to Israel and to us. And that message spread throughout the Roman Empire because the apostles could travel throughout this vast empire and relative safely on these Roman roads. And they could preach about Jesus nearly anywhere in Greek, a language nearly everybody understood. And wherever they went, they would start their work in these synagogues these churches, which were everywhere now, where Jews were already there and where all of these God-fearers were there ripe for the message of Jesus. And when the, they heard about this Jesus, the church exploded. What an amazing plan. When the right time came, God sent his son to be crucified and to be raised for the salvation of the world. So God says to Habakkuk, be stunned. Be amazed, be dazzled. I'm doing something you wouldn't believe even if I told you. So guys, it boils down to this. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Do you trust God even when you don't understand him? Do you trust God when you don't agree with him? I know God is confusing sometimes, but do you trust that even when he's confusing to you, that he's good and he's gracious and he's smart, he's wise? And when you're confused, are you willing to be honest with God? Don't complain about God. Complain to him. Don't push him away. Go to him. He's good. And he's smart. And he's grace. So maybe you get sick or your husband or your wife or your kid gets sick and you're like, come on, God. Perfectly good and omnipotently powerful. You can fix this, can't you? Or you get laid off or you get a pink slip or you check your 401k and it's tanked and you're like, God, come on. I've been trying to do life your way. I could use some help. 
Or you get a Dear John letter, or maybe you're betrayed by a friend or bullied from some social media site from hell, and you're like, God, I thought you had my back. Maybe it's depression, fear, even panic because of this pandemic, and you're like, God, I hate to say this, but it sure looks to me like you're not doing this right. Where are you, God? He's here. Even when we are cantankerous, questioning and emotional, he's here. Even when we think it's worse than we deserve, he's here. Guys, and he's good, and he is not silent. Hang in there. In fact, I hope that you'll be able to get to where Habakkuk got. You know where Habakkuk ended up at the end of all of these questions? This is where he ends up. It's the next slide if you got. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, even if there are no grapes on the vines and even if the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, God, I still love you and I still trust you. I will rejoice in the Lord. Can you? I will be joyful in the God of my salvation, our Savior, our Lord. The sovereign Lord is my strength. No fear. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. That's where Habakkuk got. How about you guys? Let's pray together. Father, it's an amazing story. A man very much like us, kind of questions that we raise. But you're good and you're patient and you're gracious and you're powerful. And if we can trust you, we will learn that you're working and your work is amazing. You did come, uh, that we might have life and have it to the fullest. And only in trusting you can we ever begin to taste that and experience that. Thank you so much for your grace. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.